So the Houston Rockets have won five out of their last eight games. This has a lot of people confused. What the hell is going on with the Rockets? What are they doing differently? Has anything changed? Did aliens come and abduct the team that we know and love that loses every single game that they play? What has changed? So you know what I had to do? You know what I had to do? I had to get into the stats and look at the reasons why the team is winning, what has changed, what is Silas doing, what are the players doing? This is gonna be a data dive, so put it on your thinking caps because we're about to get into some stats. This is my stuff, so let's get into it. Tap in, enjoy. I'm going to look at a sample size of the last eight games. So this is from the first Spurs game until now. The team has won five out of eight games since that time. And uh, we're going to use that sample size to look at some of the stats that the team has and what is actually changed and what's going on. So during that eight game stretch, the Rockets have an offensive rating of 116.7, which ranks 11th in the NBA and a defensive rating of 115.1, which ranks 12th in the NBA. This gives them a net rating of 1.6, which would rank 12th overall. So this is above average. So they've been doing pretty, pretty good. And one of the things that um, I've noticed is that each individual player has added something to these wins. So I'm gonna look at each of our key contributors in the stretch and see what is something that's really unique and special that they've added to the Rockets' recent uptick in good play. So what I decided to do is to look at each of our players and rank them based on how much they've contributed to these wins that we've had in recent games and to the overall great play of the team. And I'm gonna rank them from least impactful to most impactful. Now, everybody has added something to this, even the bench guys, even the, the Bobons with the tip and all this stuff that guys are doing off the bench and, and, and just spot minutes but these are the core guys that have really put in a lot of time and minutes into this and uh, we'll just look at them the first player we're going to look at is jay sean tate and you know for tate he's been really solid in this eight game stretch 12 points per game 4.6 rebounds he's shooting 30 percent from three which is pretty decent and on brand for him uh one thing that he really really brings to the table is that kind of that secondary tertiary ball handler in the in the times where kevin porter was out during these games he is um he is you know being the kind of de facto point guard it hasn't always looked pretty but it's kept the team afloat in the times and one thing that tate does he's all he always brings effort tate always brings effort and the effort has been showing and has been kind of translating to some great great defensive stops in late games. The next player I'm going to look at is Kenyon Martin Jr. who's averaging 15.5 points per game, 5.8 rebounds. He's taken 2.4 three-point attempts and only 10 field goal attempts during the stretch. He's shooting 60% from the field and only 26% from three. That three-point has really hurt his time on the court in certain minutes and certain stretches of the games, but he's still impactful because he's one of our players that sets the pace. He's a great rotational player on help defense. He's a great weak side helper. He is a great role kind of role threat. You see a lot of times where him and LP run the pick and roll together, but he's been really, really good in the stretch. He's a constant pro. This is a guy that you just pretty much, you just put him on the court, you know what he's going to give you. And in this stretch, he's been really, really great. The next player is Kevin Porter Jr., averaging 16 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, shooting 45% from the field and 36% from three. And I think this is sustainable for him. In this stretch, the best thing that I've seen, and honestly, is his assist to turnover ratio and the fact that he's only taken 12.6 shots. So he is actually running the offense. He's running the offense like a point guard, and he's not letting 
his play dictate the game, but he's letting the game come to him. He's letting the attempts come to him. He's letting his players and his teammates around and be able to feed off of his playmaking and his shooting ability. And this is really, really um, something that has been helpful for the team because we've all known and seen in the past how sometimes he kind of doesn't know how to pace when he needs to score, when he needs to be a point guard. He's been doing a great job in these stretches in these last eight games. And this is just, you know, to look at some of the other things he's been doing good. Um, in the last eight games, his passing has really, really been good. In his assists per 100 possession, he's averaging 32.3 during this eight-game stretch, which I have him ranked 12th in the NBA amongst guards. Assist to turnover ratio, 3.6. So for every turnover he has, he has 3.6 assists to balance that out. This ranks 18 in the NBA amongst guards. Um, if you look at him uh, through this eight-game stretch, this is a huge turnaround from when this guy was dead last. For most of the season, he's been dead last in assisted turnover category. Maybe the injury kind of helped him look at the game from a diff different perspective, um, but he is really, really doing well. And another thing I'm really excited in this stretch, only a 19% usage, which is like fourth or fifth on the team in that stretch. To me, this is the model for him. This is the model. He has to be a medium usage, high efficiency as far as passing guard. And that's the way, if he wants to be a point guard, and I know the Rockets are probably going to give him the opportunity to compete for that role uh, maybe not guaranteed as it has been in the past if he wants to be a player that wants to be a point guard in the nba those numbers have to be sustained if he wants to be a point guard on the winning team those numbers have to be sustained and keep getting better um, but yeah kudos to kevin porter jr he's been balling he's been holding it down as the team's point guard and head honcho the next most impactful player in this stretch is Alperen Sengun, averaging 14.4 points, 9.9 rebounds. He's only taken 11 field goal attempts during this stretch, shooting 55% from the field and 66% from three. The three is obviously cap, but he has been electric in, the, in this um, in this stretch of games. And there's some games where he doesn't play great. But one thing about Alpi that he's been doing well, and Coach Silas commented on this, is that his defense has been really, really good. He's been playing really good defense in this last stretch of game in these last eight games lp ranks number 17 in defensive rating among centers playing 25 minutes or more at 114.4 he ranks 12th in offensive rating among centers that play 25 minutes or more in at 117.7 uh, he's number 14 in rebound percentage among centers number eight in assist percentage amongst all centers uh, his defensive rating in the fourth quarter is 104.3 this will have him ranked 12th in the nba among centers that play five more minutes or more in the in the fourth quarter of games and he is the youngest player in this cohort of centers that start basically of all the starting centers that play 25 minutes or more in the nba pretty much the whole entire league he's the youngest player by far and he is um, pretty much ranking across multiple categories in the top 10 top 15. Um, and for me as a guy for a guy that's 20 years old like he is you know i don't see anything else you could ask for uh, one of the main things that i really enjoyed uh this past stretch of watching out is how he's been navigating the pick and roll the pick and roll defense has been great and it has a lot to do with the lineups that they've the rockets have used with them and some of the just growth of some of the players as i've always told you guys the pick and roll is a team defensive concept it's not one player that you can run a pick and roll defense with it takes a collective team to execute it perfectly and even though the rockets haven't been perfect they've been better they've been better and a lot of it has to do with kind of that help side um on the romance side and you know i always you know my old videos i've went over this over and over and over again 
Alp is the guy that's always going to be, you know, he's the center of that. He's the he's the drop big. When we guard the pick and roll, we put Alp in the drop. His responsibility is going to be the guy with the ball and the guy screening for him. So he has two. And the person that's guarding the guy with the ball, whether it's Kevin Porter Jr., Jabari, or Atari, their job is to stay with the ball handler as much as they can, as close to as they can, by fighting over and under the screen. If you go over, you got to try to have that good trail position. If you go under, you got to be able to recover fast if it's a good shooter. And one thing the Rockets are doing is, and this is where they used to get burned a lot, they would get confused on who's going to help when the roller gets going. And usually that would be Jabari in the corner um, to come down and tag on behalf of um, for that role man. Right. So if Jabari is playing in the corner and his job is to be the tag man, which is the guy that's responsible for stopping the roller from having a clean look at the basket uh, when they roll. Um, a lot of times he would just stand there and he's admitted this, that this is one of the weaknesses of his defense is that he doesn't really. It took him a while to learn what he needed to be. But recently, one, especially late in games, um, they've been putting Tari in those positions to be that tag or even KJ and uh, Jabari in different positions. Now you've seen Jabari a lot of times with the matchups that he has, he's guarding on the perimeter more where he's actually fighting over screens, which is not a strength of his, but him not being in that position to always play the tag um, has really helped out in the pick and roll defense because now you have guys that are able to stop, you know, that role man from getting to their spots. And if you want to see this in action, one of the key plays that we had against um, the Pelicans uh, was, you know, a, a pick and roll stop late in the game and you know it was a great play by the guys running that play they were able to you know set the tag they were able to um you know help out on the on the ball handler help out on the drives uh, and kind of cover all the bases and rotate out with with effort and strength and that's really what would want won us the pelicans pelicans game is just a giving effort and knowing where to be on defense and um you know the pelicans missed a lot of open shots they were running a lot of spain pick and rolls which is the pick and rolls that um have uh, you know, one of the, the offensive players will come kind of camp in the paint, then uh, come out and set a back screen on the either the Roman or the guy that's going to be uh, that's that's fighting over the screen. They'll set that back screen and then slip out from the screen. And in that kind of chaos, usually a lot of teams get confused and it did confuse us a lot. But our guys were able to kind of, you know, just weather the storm. Jabari got tricked by it a couple of times, but towards the end of the game, he kind of figured it out, was able to give a good contest um, for a shot that could have been a dagger. The next most impactful player is Jalen Green. Jalen's averaging 21.8 points. 3.6 uh, rebounds and about three assists during the stretch. Um, 6.5 three-point attempts. He's taken 19 shots, so he takes the bulk of our shots. And he's not shooting great. This is something that, you know, I'm not sure if people are aware of. In this stretch, Jalen's been struggling shooting the ball. He's only shooting 41% from the field and 28% from three. But one thing that is exciting about Jalen Green's play in this stretch is his drives man this guy's been getting to the basket like a pro and this is encouraging for a player that you assume is going to be a, his calling card is going to be scoring getting buckets but Jalen is you know one of the things he has to do is prerequisite one he has to get stronger in the offseason but what you're seeing right now is kind of a preview of what his game is going to be the shot is going to be you know it's going to come and go like Harden did a lot of these scores sometimes they're streaky um in the in their shooting but the good thing that Jalen is doing right now is getting to the basket. Right now in that stretch, for that eight game stretch, he's uh, has 118 drives, which ranks him at number eight in the NBA. Um, fouls drawn for players that have uh, over 100 drives or more, he's number two in the NBA. In the entire league, Jalen is uh, number two in guys that get to the get downhill into the paint. 
And this is a list with all the, whoever you want to think of as a big name scorer, they're on there. He also ranks number two in the NBA in field goal attempts on drives. He ranks uh, 15th in the NBA in field goal percentage on drives at 48.6, which, you know, is not great, but it's, it's decent. It's decent given the fact that he's still very frail He's still not his full man body yet. When he gets that bulk and that strength to be able to get downhill and bump guys out the way like we see a lot of guys do to us, then that number is definitely going to pick up. So this offseason, as I always say for him, is going to be important for him to really get into the gym and get into his bag as a uh, NBA athlete and get some bulk and not, you know, not get too bulky, but get bigger. And one of the things that he needs to improve on also is the fact that um, when he drives, he needs to be learn how to pass. Uh, pass the ball out. His pass percentage is only at 18.6%. And for the guys that are greater than um, 100 drives per game, that's 18th in the NBA, which would have him dead last in that cohort. So out of the 18 players that have 100 or more drives, he ranks dead last in passing. So that's going to be the next level for him to unlock that superstar ability is to be able to facilitate out of those drives, not just have the tunnel vision again to the basket, is to collapse the defense and have those kickouts, those uh, shooters like Jabari, like Tari, like Garuba, uh, you know, the guys that shoot through like uh, KPJ for them to be able to get open, good looking threes and be able to punish teams for trying to pack the paint on him but he's been he's been you know he's been leading in different ways he's one of the best defenders in that stretch as well especially in late in games if you guys have if you haven't noticed he's been giving a lot of effort on that side of the ball which has really really picked up my my um my uh kind of my view on him i was getting a little low on him he, he was kind of tuned out for a couple of like a month and a half there but seems like you know he's found his second win and he's back so that's good for us to see for jalen green the next most impactful player is jabari smith jr and this one is almost by just him not being the worst player on the team jabari's been really really good in that stretch he hasn't been super duper duper good i mean he's he's had like extra extra amazing games but so far he's been kind of even killed since the all-star break and with those high highs and some just medium games but man the fact that he was so so bad before and he was struggling so much really hurt the team and now that he is a good player and 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 is adding to winning basketball i think this might be one of the biggest reasons that we're winning in this stretch jabari's averaging 17.6 points 7.6 rebounds he's averaging uh 4.8 three-point attempts and his shooting 54 percent from the field and 47 from three that 54 percent is crazy because that includes his mid-range shots and his rim attempts if you guys don't remember when jabari was at auburn his two-point percentage was like 40 two percent and his three-point was like 43 percent so he was shooting better from three than he was from two which is nuts and that's really kind of typecasted him as a three and d player but now when you look at how he's developing and i've told you guys this there's two videos that i've made about jabari and kind of the vision for him he is not a perimeter oriented player the threes are just the icing on a cake his true superpower is the ability to shoot over folks and that's going to be anywhere on the court whether it's in the mid-range whether it's at the basket and whether it's from three like the game winner that we all celebrated but to, to typecast him as a three and d role player is just lazy and bad imagination this dude is going to be a sniper from anywhere on the court and if you look at his um, shooting by the zones um, at the rim, this is really amazing. He's shooting 85% from, from the field at the rim. That is crazy. That's higher than any number he's put up pretty probably in his whole life. And in this eight game stretch, 21 attempts at the rim. At the paint, he's shooting 50%. Um, which is really, really good. And the paint, and this includes the non-restricted area paint, which is like basically the free throw square. 
uh, anything uh, around the free throw line and towards the basket, but outside the circle. 50%, those are middies. He's shooting 50% on those in the stretch. In the mid-range overall, so that's below the three-point line, uh, he's shooting 37%. Uh, and it's different depending on which spot. Like at the top of the key in the mid-range, he's damn near like over 50%. And that's been consistent since uh, since Auburn. But uh, in, in this stretch, it's kind of mixed depending on where he's shooting from. But the mid-range is still good. Only 16 attempts. Corner threes. He's shooting uh, 37% from the corner, which is decent. On the right corner, I think, I might mix this up, but you guys can correct me. On the right corner, I think he's over five. On the left corner, he's like three of something. So one of the corners he does really well on and uh three of three or something like that and uh the other corner he's he's over five low volume but you know uh you know everybody has their corner but his corner three 37 i'll take that any day and he's shooting 50 percent on above the break threes which is nuts and these are pull-ups these are kickouts he's shooting 50 percent on 30 attempts so 15 out of 30 of those shots in that eight game stretch this is jabari i think this is going to be sustainable for him and you can see here that his shot diet has really, really changed from when I made my last video. I know a lot of you were saying, oh, the Rockets watched the video. I don't think they've done anything different. <laughs> um, they haven't done anything different. It just looks like the team is just cohesively, um, collectively more cohesive. They're just playing better as a team. And Jabari's starting to figure out his zones and he's taking it. He's taking it. Look at this distribution of his shots. He has the 85% at the rim, and that that is 22% of his shots are coming at the rim. He's getting 21% of his shot uh, in the paint. He's getting 17% in the mid-range, 32% uh, from above the break, and 8% from corner threes. So for threes, 40% of his shots are threes, and this is in the half-court setting, and everything else you know, is just kind of dispersed out. This is what I want to see. I didn't like that whole 50 plus percent from his shots were just threes. The other like 20 some percent were in transition and only like 11, 10 percent from the mid range. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. These numbers are good. This is a Jabari shot diet that I'm going to be proud of. And I'm expecting the Rockets to keep up with um, as he goes forward. One thing, though, in that um, in that uh, Pels game, I didn't like the fact that he really didn't get a lot of uh attempts in the fourth quarter he kind of got lost in a the shuffle there but you know like you know like they say it don't matter what you do is how you close you know what i mean in the game when in sports is what are you going to do when it's time to nut up and he did what he was supposed to do you know hit that 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 dagger to win the game for us but still in, in route to that you would hope he gets more touches so he doesn't have to be superman um in order for us to win the game but liking what i'm seeing from jabari smith jr and the most impactful player in the stretch and this guy i gotta give him his flowers I haven't made a, a straight up video for Tari Eason, but goddamn it, Tari Eason is been just a winner. This dude's a winner. He's a champion. He's a he's a worker. He's everything, bro. And anytime Tari's on the court, the Rockets are doing good. In this last eight game stretch, Tari's averaging 10.3 points, 6.3 rebounds. Um, he's only taken two attempts from the three, only seven field goal attempts, was shooting 52% from the field and 47% from three. This guy is doing it all. And and just what you know what his calling card is, is just grit, grind, and effort. He, he gives leaves everything on the court. Right now, this dude is number one in the NBA in loose balls recovered per 36. He's number four in the NBA in loose ball totals. This is total loose balls recovered. So he's number four in the NBA in totals while other players are playing 30, 40 minutes a game. This dude is doing it with bench bench player minutes, bench player minutes. But so that that should tell you just how 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 much grind this guy puts in onto the game. Defensive rating amongst rookies is number six. Rebound percentage amongst rookies is number three. 
player impact estimate amongst rookies overall. He's number five uh, on the Rockets defensive uh, rating and net rating. Tari's number one in defensive and net rating, and he is number three in rebound percentages uh, on the team. This dude, he makes all the plays that you want. He's an analytics darling. This was apparent when he was at um, LSU and it's just translating to the NBA. And he's doing this just off of just effort. There's no plays drawn up for him. There's no intention. If you think Jabari has it bad as a like, let's let's try to get Jabari some looks. Tari has nothing drawn up for him. This is all effort. So imagine when he gets a system or a coach that is able to kind of fine tune him and, and kind of carve him into that 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 clay that we we, we think he can be. Tari's upside is really high. It's really, really high for me. And that's what I look at. And we're, this is even more apparent. When we look at some of the best lineups for these past eight games, um, you're going to notice a pattern. There's two guys always in it. The best five-man lineup is the Kevin Porter Jr., Alper Shangun, Tari Eason, Jalen Green, and Kenyon Martin Jr. This lineup is a plus 50 in 11 minutes. Uh, we don't play them a lot, uh, this lineup a lot, but it is a lineup that is devastating. That, that is devastating to teams. The best four-man lineup in 22 minutes with a plus 57.1 net rating is uh, Al P, Tari, Kevin Porter Jr., and Jalen Green, only in 22 minutes. Another kind of a subset of that lineup that we just looked at. But you can interchange whoever else you want, whether it's Jabari or whoever else on this team, and they still give you a plus uh, 57 net rating with this four-man. Best three-man lineup is going to be Jalen Green, Tari Eason, and Alperin Shangun, plus 38 and 57 minutes. That is significant in this eight-game stretch. And this is, these are, you know, this is encouraging to see. This is encouraging to see and as Jabari kind of works his way up, you want to see him get in some of these lineup categories uh, to be one of them. But you you love to see Jalen in there. You love to see Alpi in there. Bratari is always the guy. And our best two-man lineup in 126 minutes, which is very significant. This is real. This is a real uh, statistically significant number. 126 minutes plus 24. Best two-man lineup, Alperin Shangun, Tari Eason. Alper Shangun, Tari Eason, they do it in different ways. They do it in different ways and they complement each other extremely well. Al P does on offense in some aspects what Tari does on defense, which is you just make the little plays that help you win, whether it's setting the right screen for Al P on offense, for Tari getting offensive rebound on offense for Al P finding the cutter, which a lot of times could be Tari Eason or KJ on Tari on defense is running in transition, crashing the glass, getting his hands on deflections, tips, steals, blocks, contesting. He just plays winning basketball. And there was a play. And, you know, if we go back to that kind of the last one of the last plays that the Pelicans try to do um, with with uh, Brandon Ingram uh, to to uh, to win the game, you'll see that Alperin Shangun is kind of he makes this last minute stunt to help Kevin Porter Jr. out to stop B.I. from getting just a clear shot. And that makes B.I. just have to adjust a little bit more. And if you go back to the game on the on when Al P wasn't playing with the Celtics game where uh, uh, Tatum was trying to go for the, the game winning or tying layup and, you know, he's driving. He beat Jabari. He beat Jabari to the spot and he had to open, you know, pretty much a straight line to the basket where he could have got fouled, where he could have got, uh, you know, got a dunk or a layup. But guess who was there to step in? and contest off of the help. Tari Eason, that is a winning play that nobody will notice. Nobody's gonna notice that. But he puts his hand in the way and makes Tatum take a contested layup. That's why Jabari hugged him at the end, man. Bro knew. Like, you saved me, man. You saved me. You saved that defensive possession. You helped me out. His brother knew. That's why they are such a great tandem that I'm gonna love watching them grow on the Rockets. 
Now, one of the key parts of the Rockets actually doing really, really good in the stretch of games is the uh, the fourth quarter. We have been just great on defense in the fourth quarter, and this was a weakness for us in the past. Right right now in the eighth game stretch, the Rockets are ranked number two in the NBA in defensive rating, um, and which is really, really impressive for these guys. And, you know, that's something that they can build on, number two in the NBA. And this comes off of all the things I'm saying. And a lot of the reasons, it kind of looks at some of the lineups that have been getting a lot of high minutes. If we look at the guys that have the best uh, defense Defensive rating during that eight game, eight game period in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to call them the Rockets' eight game all clam team. Um, you know, is Jay Sean Tate at 102.4, uh, Alperin Shangoon at 101.3, Tari Eason at 98.5, Jabari at 97, and the king of the defensive clamp team is Jalen Green. That is your Jalen Green, the scorer, the shot chucker, um, having a 92.8 defensive rating. And Kid has been guarding. Jalen has been playing hellacious defense in the stretch, and he has been uh, kind of contributing everywhere on the court. And this is what you love to see. This is the reason they're winning. This is why they're winning. And this is, we this is what we want to see from this young team as they start to grow and develop. Now, one of the things also that we will see from this stretch is the minutes distribution, especially um, since before, you know, the, the eight game stretch and after the eight game stretch, this turn up the Rockets have had. This is the minutes. Look how everybody's minutes that is a decent players went up and a lot of our kind of younger bench fringe players minutes have gone down and look at look at that you know Tari Eason's minutes have gone up significantly seven points everybody's minutes is up across the board so coach Silas this is showing us that he's actually intentional about his minutes and they're not trying to tank they're not trying to tank. This tells me they're not trying to tank in these games because they're trying to win. Now, people could argue whether that's the right plan. Is that dumb? Is that smart? They're not trying to tank. And this is what it looks like. You can see that, you know, Knicks minutes is down. Ty Ty's minutes is down. And Knicks only play two games. Knicks isn't even playing games. But everybody that is considered a fringe player, their minutes are down. Josh Christopher's minutes are up, which is really, really good for him. So the question is, what does this really mean for the team going forward? And there's a lot of questions about, you know, how does it affect the tanking? I think it's good to say that right now the Rockets haven't done anything that's not reversible. We still have our destiny in our hands. If we wanted to tank out and be a bottom three team that's still in the cards, we still could end up as a worst team in the NBA. So I'm not really worried about, you know, the impact on the pick because there's a line that they could cross. I don't think they're there yet. I just feel like these types of games are valuable for um, the development of the team. Now, with that said, there's a caveat. You know, there's a point. Like I said, there's that line there. There's a point where I went. I want Rafael Stone to get all the uh, all the uh, Dacia Knicks film that he can get. <laughs> there's a point where I want him to get all the Boban film and uh, uh, Trevor Hudgens and the various days of the world. We need them to be playing 40 minutes a game towards the end of the season once we've gotten these guys th this experience. But these games are valuable. What you see with them celebrating in the locker room, what you see with their post-game comments, th these are the building blocks and the foundational pieces you need to be able to move forward as your team. I'm still not... Uh, a co-silas going forward. I don't want him to be our coach because it's not even about the wins and losses. I've never evaluated him on that. I just don't, I think there's other issues with him as a coach, especially for this young team. That's why I'm, I'm out on him. It's not, it has nothing. It has to do with a system. A lot of the stuff that I really don't like. And I feel like there's, there's a, uh, there's a time and place for a coach Silas. And I think we're about to enter the time where it's not for a coach Silas. There are a lot of great coaches that help you get to a certain spot. And then it's time to hand it over to the team. I think the three years he's been here have been a mixed, you know, kind of mixed. I think that he's probably done more 
bad as far as a, on coaching, maybe not as far as a, a person or like a, a mentor, but on the basketball court, he's had way more negatives than he has positives. And I'm sure he's growing as a coach, but I'm, I just don't think that as for the goals that the team has to be a contender, he's not going to be the guy to get us there. It hardly ever is. And sometimes you just have to make those decisions. So I'm still, I'm still not, you know, as well as they've been doing, I'm not, you know, and he's been coaching his, like he's coaching his tail off. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Proud of him, et cetera, et cetera. Still, I, I do hope they move on and kind of take to the next level. But one thing you're excited about, these guys are flashing, man. They have the building blocks. This tells me that you add a couple of vets, make a couple of key free agent acquisitions here. You upgrade the system, start holding guys accountable, bring in some structure, and you might be cooking with something. What that is, I don't know. Is that a plan? I don't know. But they can play. We have talent. We have what we need. We have everything in-house for us to be able to... Uh, to do what we need to do. And somebody asked me, are the Rockets cooking now? I said, you know what? They're not cooking yet, but basically what we found out is the ingredients we got, this ain't some like H-E-B Trader Joe's uh, Walmart ingredients. You know, we, we, got, uh, we got some Central Market ingredients. We got some uh, Whole Foods ingredients. We have the top of the line ingredients to cook with. We just need a chef. That's what the Rockets need right now. They need a chef. Once that chef comes in, they can start cooking for real, for real, because what these guys are showing is they could play. They could play. You know what Deion Sanders says when he says uh, when he comes in, he brings the bag with him. But his bags are, are, are Louis and Gucci. We got Louis bags. We got Louis bags. We just need somebody to be able to unlock them and open them up. So definitely proud of the guys. I don't know what the next games could look look like. They could literally just crap out for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, I think these flashes are definitely valuable for them. I think it helps build their confidence. And I think it's going to be something they can build upon going next year. Y'all let me know what y'all think. I know this was kind of long, but it was a lot to get to. Let me know what you think about the, um, you know, the play of the team. Are you scared about the tank? Uh, are you scared about the tank? Are you happy that we're just winning? Do you like the Rockets winning? Does this make you fear they're going to re-sign Coach Silas? Uh, does it make you like KPJ more? Are you still uh, out on Shangoon? Are you in on Shangoon? How does, you know, is Jabari still a bust like some people thought? How does this change your outlook on the Rockets going forward? Does it impact you or is this just nothing? Let me know in the comments. Let me know how you feel. And for sure, you got to keep rocking with the Chop Shop because we're going to keep dropping this fire.